The creators of Politics Weekly have a new series now out. The series that has amassed nearly 20,000 listeners is now getting a spin-off on online radio. Politics Weekly Live is a follow-up to Politics Weekly, bringing you more content, live commentary, and the ability to respond to stories live. Politics Weekly Live is available to listen to every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on WPSR, the official radio station of Purchase College, and will be posted wherever you listen to podcasts following recording. Hey everyone, welcome to Politics Weekly. Politics Weekly is a weekly nonpartisan podcast featuring some of the biggest names in politics and portraying some of the biggest political stories of the week through both left and right leaning lenses. Hosted by award winning journalist Nolan Cleary, the former editor in chief of the Hudsonian newspaper, Politics Weekly has been listened to by over 15,000 people worldwide. The views expressed by guests on our show are not necessarily the views expressed by the host, Nolan Cleary. All right, uh, we are back today with Politics Weekly, a brand new episode for the week uh, of the 11th. Uh, joining me today is Kim Curry. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Mr. Curry. Thank you, Nolan. My pleasure. Appreciate you being on. Have me, have me today. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Uh, so first, uh, before we jump into some of the topics of the week, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who uh, don't know. Uh, Nolan, I'm a, um, a retired, forced into retire uh, radio broadcaster. I was a 33-year broadcaster around America in different cities. Um, I was a DJ in, in some of the cities, Miami, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., San Antonio. A couple of the, stas- uh, couple of the stations uh, that I ran, uh, as opposed to just being the DJ, I was the program director. Uh, everything was fine. It was a great radio career. I um, uh, retired in 2005 because at that point I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, a pretty severe case. So I retired from the business at that point. Um, it took about eight years for the doctors to get my multiple sclerosis under control. Uh, I was going down pretty hard for a long time, but then finally my condition leveled off. And ever since then, around 2015 or so, I've kind of become a different person. I'm now a writer. I I write books. Um, I've gone from being a broadcaster to a writer now because as a broadcaster, I was a pretty good storyteller. So what I do now is uh, I write. I I have uh, my website, krcurry.com, where I have editorials that I write there. I've got other podcasts that I've been on up there too. Um, And plus, it's got details about the three books that I've got out. I've got a memoir, which kind of describes my radio career and uh, my my multiple sclerosis diagnosis and what's happened after that. I've got a couple of other fiction books that are uh, that pertain to um, the 1987 decision by Ronald Reagan to rescind or actually to veto the Fairness and Broadcasting Act when he rescinded the Fairness Doctrine. That was the 
the right of equal time for contrasting points of view. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, I'm a fiction writer, former broadcaster, and now I'm on here with you, Nolan. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, the fairness decision. I was learning about that the other day in class. Um, just you know, on a personal off-topic note, um, how how I know you've written about it. How do you think that that relates to you as somebody that had a career in broadcasting? Well, the reason I wrote the book was actually it was actually uh, about a thirty-three year experience uh, between my father and I. My dad first got me my my first job in radio when I was seventeen years old. Um, he was a radio broadcaster. He was a news guy at the only radio station in my hometown. And uh, so I went off on my radio career, and as I kept coming home on vacation, my dad would complain that the people he was working with at the radio station were all being fired um, because they were being replaced by syndicated radio broadcasters. Now, there was a time when radio stations didn't have syndication, so every station you listen to had people from that market on the air but in 1996 or actually before that um there was a decision by the fcc to increase syndications and and they gave and they invented different ways uh to to syndicate broadcast programs so as i was going through my radio career my dad would i would come home my dad would say well the midday guy got fired. They've got this guy on the radio that just does nothing but spew lies and stuff. And uh, it, it really bothered him because as a broadcaster, he believed in the fairness doctrine, the right of equal time for contrasting points of view. But what happened was his radio station was completely uh, became syndicated, and it was all leaning towards one particular political party. So my father really bothered him because it did create a rift in my hometown. And he also complained that they no longer did local broadcasting, that there would be uh, situations of things going on in town, but because they were so committed to their syndication broadcasts, they wouldn't even interrupt to talk about the bank robbery downtown. Or, um, you know, there was one time there was a, uh, a, a big uh, gunfight that went on downtown that nobody knew about because the radio station was, was so convinced they had to keep their, their syndicated broadcasting on. So then years go by, my dad passes away, and I moved back to my hometown because I've been diagnosed with MS and I needed to learn what it was like to have multiple sclerosis. And there was an incident in my hometown that really kind of codified what my father was talking about, that the syndicated broadcast radio station was doing nothing anymore to talk about to the local community. There was a fire that broke out. there's a, uh, a suspension bridge in my hometown of Canyon City, Colorado. It's the Royal Gorge Bridge. For years, it was the highest suspension bridge on the planet. It went from the base of the Arkansas River all the way up to the bridge was about 1,500 feet. Now, there was a tourist trap up there. People used to go up there and, and buy trinkets and walk across the bridge and see the beautiful sights and things like that because you were in the mountains. It was quite visual. And there was a fire that occurred up there during a very windy season. And when the fire broke out, you could see in my hometown, because I was, you know, I, I was a regular citizen, uh, the smoke came pouring into the town. And at one point, it got so dark that my mother called me. My mother was in a panic. 
and she was like, what's going on? I've been turning on the radio station. They're not saying a thing. They're, all they've got is this right-wing crap on there, and they're not telling us what's going on. Why is the town being enveloped in smoke? Which, to me, put the whole story together. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan rescinded the Fairness Doctrine. Uh, excuse me. He vetoed the Fairness and Broadcasting Act, and then he rescinded the Fairness Doctrine. So they decided that syndication was more important than local broadcasting. And the syndication was more important than telling the citizens what's going on in town. And to me, it sounded like a book. So that's why I wrote my books, uh, telling the story about what happened to a small American town and its only radio station after Ronald Reagan vetoed the Fairness and Broadcasting Act and rescinded the Fairness Doctrine. So it's only because of my experience in the business and my relationship with my parents and the event that actually happened. I watched it happen, and it just became a book to me. So I believe in free speech. When Ronald Reagan vetoed the Fairness and Broadcasting Act and rescinded the Fairness Doctrine, he said he was doing it because it was antagonistic to the rights given in the First Amendment, uh, right of free speech. But what he did was he basically took away my rights to call out a liar as a liar or to call out disinformation as disinformation to let citizens decide who they believe. The way it's set now, all you hear are consistent lies with no debate, and it's it's affected America. Interesting. Well, uh, I want to jump into some of the uh, news stories this week and get your take on them, Uh, starting, first of all, with a recent story about Herschel Walker. Of course, Herschel Walker, the NFL star who is currently the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in Georgia. Uh, That's an important seat for Republicans. Um, You know, that seat could determine control of uh, the United States Senate uh, next month in November. Uh, recently, uh, a, uh, one of Herschel Walker's, uh, allegedly one of his ex-mistresses, she claims that she is an ex-mistress, um, uh, but, um, she claims she's an ex-mistress, uh, but she, um, she recently came out, uh, with evidence and a claim, uh, that, uh, Mr. Walker uh, may have uh, paid uh, for her to get an abortion and potentially paid for her to get a second abortion as well. Um, Herschel Walker, who has taken a pro-life stance, an anti-abortion stance throughout the campaign, uh, has uh, denied the claims, uh, although um, there has been uh, one surprising source that has backed up the claims uh, that he may have paid for this woman's abortion, and that is the son of Herschel Walker, Christian Walker. Uh, Christian Walker uh, went on a Twitter uh, rant uh, about his father, saying that his father uh, lied, um, that he forced him to uh, move uh, from town to town, um, uh, and that, uh, and that uh, many of his family members encouraged him not to run for U.S. Senate out of fear uh, that many of the controversies uh, would come out. Uh, politics, uh, NolanCleary.com currently rates the Georgia Senate race uh, as a toss-up. Uh, he's running to unseat Democrat incumbent Raphael Warnock. What are your thoughts uh, on this uh, scandal? Well, I think it's pretty evident that there, 
there's that somebody has a problem with the truth that's the first thing i want to say because i really believe in truth um and if you're really looking to find the truth and if he really sent that get well card then that's handwriting and you can get a handwriting analysis on that handwriting to see if it's really his a secondly if this child really is his which he says she's lying there's dna evidence that can prove that however we've gotten in such a situation in america today that you can plead the fifth and just not take responsibility you don't have to even when you get subpoenaed you can just blow off the subpoena because of what has happened since that one guy came down the escalator and decided he wanted to run for president so yeah you can figure these things out but because Herschel Walker is Herschel Walker and he's now a member of, I I consider him to be the black face of white supremacy in America um Herschel Walker could now uh, avoid all the impact and say well I'm not going to give my DNA and no I'm not going to give my handwriting so you know that's just the way it's being played out now people are not taking responsibility and I just think that's you know there's a pretty easy way to figure this out through DNA and through handwriting analysis but the truth is i believe the black this is the black face of white supremacy in america herschel walker all right uh well let's move on uh to the next story on our list uh this story is involving uh former hawaii congresswoman tulsi gabbard uh, and former uh, candidate for president in 2020, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. You may remember uh, that uh, that Congresswoman Gabbard, uh, when she was uh, still a sitting member of Congress, uh, you may remember that she uh, ran for president uh, in the year 2020 as a Democrat. Um, she obviously lost the nomination uh, to then Vice President, then former Vice President Joe Biden, um, since leaving Congress, uh, she has taken more moderate views than a lot of Democrats. Uh, she's supported limits on late-term abortion, although she does identify uh, as pro-choice on the issue of abortion. Uh, she uh, sponsored a bill in her last days of Congress to try and uh, ban um, men who are um, uh, transgender uh, women uh, from participating in women's sports. Um, uh, since leaving uh, Congress, uh, she has, um, since, since leaving Congress, she has been very critical uh, of uh, President Biden. Uh, this week, she announced that she is officially leaving the Democratic Party. She has cited uh, disputes uh, with the Democratic Party uh, over their handling uh, of certain issues, um, and she has announced that she is officially leaving the Democratic Party and becoming an independent. Uh, this has fueled speculation that she could potentially uh, be a vice presidential pick for uh, potentially a Republican candidate in 2024. Um, but Tulsi Gabbard has officially, she made this announcement, she is officially leaving uh, the Democratic Party. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard was featured in an interview uh, on Politics Weekly uh, back in 2020 during her race for president. What are your thoughts on Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democratic Party? Well, 
here's the thing. Um, when you've got that, just think about this. There are, this is a job. These people have a job that nobody can really get. To go to, to go to the halls of Congress is a very difficult job. There are very few people who get to go do that in comparison to the amount of people in America. So when you're one of those people and people pay attention to you and you get to run for president and you get to throw yourself all over television all across America and then suddenly you're a non-issue, the first thing you think is, I got to get back in there. I want to be seen. I, my name is not being heard on television. So I believe that this particular person is a, uh, I don't know, glory hog. Uh, she likes to be out there. Uh, she hasn't been out there. Um, so she decided that she was going to do what she could uh, to get her name back in, in the news. And she did. Uh, and she's obviously going after the transgender. That's a very critical and controversial uh, position. Um, and I just think sometimes these people get so desperate for attention when they're not being paid attention to, they will do anything to get back in the news. And I believe that's what Tulsi Gabbard, she's not going to become anything. She will not become a vice presidential candidate. I mean, even if she does, I really don't think she's qualified to do the job. And I think America will, will prove that in their vote. So, you know, again, I just think that there are some people who are glory hogs. She hasn't had any glory lately, and she wanted to get back in the news. And um, so we had, a, we had a Republican in the state of Colorado recently uh, give up uh, his Republican Party affiliation and became a Democrat. Uh, so this happens. Um, in his particular case, I think he, he just uh, this week, is, there was a recall that was uh, – they wanted to recall him from his position in whatever county he's in, uh, and the judge just came out and said they had to dump the recall until after he was actually uh, called into office, which won't be till January, till he actually uh, signs in for that position. So I believe these guys just get used to being in the news, and when they're not, they become desperate and decide, i got to do something, and that's where we are with that. All right. Well, I want to uh, talk about uh, another uh, story. This story is involving uh, former uh, presidential candidate uh, and billionaire pop star Kanye West. Kanye West appeared with political commentator uh, Candace Owens recently uh, wearing a shirt that said White Lives Matter. Uh, West uh, then uh, continued... Uh, he he uh, then went on Twitter uh, and made uh, comments about Jewish individuals, uh, which uh, got him, which earned him a temporary uh, suspension from Twitter. Uh, he has caused controversy because of these comments. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, uh, I spent 33 years in the music industry and on radio in America. Uh, the last nine years of my career. I ran the biggest radio station in Miami, Florida. It's still out there. Power 96 in Miami is a huge situation and has been for over 35 years. I am well, I, I know the people in the music industry. Uh, I knew about Kanye when he busted out. I knew what kind of person he was. People were in the industry, uh, record promoters talk to each other and they kind of, uh, they, they give you the idea what type of people we're dealing with. Um, Kanye, again, I believe, has got huge talent, but he likes to be in the press, and he will do anything he can to get his name in print. 
and on the newspapers and on television. So he's he's a glory hog again. Uh, I, and it, it's as simple as that to me. And I really don't have much more to say than that. Uh, I don't really. He's not a. He, he he has no solutions. All he has are are problems. And so I, I can't take a guy like that seriously. I never have. Many entertainment type of industry people are you know, short on political knowledge. All right. Well, I want to move on to the uh, next story um, uh, regarding uh, the president of the Los Angeles City Council resigning um, over uh, over uh, allegations of racism. Um, uh uh, Nuri Martinez uh, was the president of the Los Angeles City Council. Uh, she held that position up until a few days ago when audio leaked out, appearing to show uh, uh, leaked uh, comments, a leaked conversation between her uh, and council members uh, Jill Cedillo and former U.S. Senate candidate Kevin DeLeon, who is currently also a member of the Los Angeles City Council. Um, she, made, uh, the, uh, she made multiple uh, racist comments about African Americans uh, when referring to uh, Los Angeles District Attorney uh, George Gascone. She said, and I quote, F that guy, he's with the blacks, um, when she uh, was discussing uh, Another uh, another council member, uh, Mike Bonin, uh, he his uh, adopted son is African American. Uh, she uh, said of his son, she said, uh, "quote This kid needs a beat down. Let me uh, take him around the corner. Um, I'll bring him right back." She also uh, called him uh, a chenguito, which is uh, a racial slur. Uh, for a uh, for a black child, that's uh, that translates to monkey or ape. Um, she uh, also uh, called him a uh, a little black kid that was being uh, raised like a white kid. Uh, these uh, comments uh, immediately uh, led to her uh, apologizing upon them being leaked, uh, but obviously there were many calls for her to resign, and she did so a few days ago. Um, there have also been uh, some calls for uh, De Leon and Cedillo, who were the two council members that were involved in that uh, uh, confrontation to resign. They have both apologized, but they, as of the time of this recording, uh, have not yet resigned. Um, what are your uh, thoughts on this controversy? I actually heard the tape. Um, I, I listened to the audio. Um, and I believe that people like that should not be representing society. With that being said, let's move on to the final story. Uh, ben Sass, uh, a senator from Nebraska, has announced his retirement from the United States Senate. He will resign uh, after he was selected to be the president uh, of the University of Florida. Uh, current Republican governor of Nebraska, Pete Ricketts, will uh, select his replacement if he chooses to resign before January. Uh, if not, either the Republican or the Democrat, depending on who wins the Nebraska governor's race this year, will choose his replacement since Ricketts is also leaving in January. This will open up a special election in 2024. Um, 
some students at the University of Florida have uh, expressed uh, They've been protesting his conservative uh, voting record. Uh, Sass responded to their protest by saying, I don't agree with them, but that's just what it is. Um, Sass is known to be one of the more moderate members of the United States Senate. He was one of, uh, he was one of uh, just seven Republicans in the United States Senate to vote for Donald Trump's conviction during the second impeachment trial of then-President Donald Trump. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ben Sass resigning from the Senate? Well, first of all, I uh, spent 25 years in Miami, so I hate the Gators. Um, but I understand Ben Sass to be a moderate, and uh, it must be tough to be a college president when you're not in line with the students you're trying to, to uh, govern. So it's going to be tough for him. Uh, if he resigns to go take that position, I think it'll be up to him All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the last story I have on my bucket list. Uh, Congressman and uh, Republican nominee for New York Governor Lee Zeldin. There was recently a shooting outside of his house. Uh, the shooting happened when Zeldin and his wife were away from his house, uh, but both of his teenaged daughters, his teenage twin daughters, uh, were at the house. Um, they called 911 immediately after hearing gunshots uh, outside. Um, Zeldin, uh, this is the uh, second attack that's happened uh, near Zeldin, or the second threat that's happened around Zeldin. Earlier this year, uh, there was uh, a man uh, who, at a Lee Zeldin rally, who uh, jumped on stage, said, you're done, and uh, seemingly uh, stuck a knife up to Lee Zeldin, although he was stopped. Uh, Zeldin is uh, running this year to unseat uh, incumbent Governor Kathy Hochul, who took office after uh, then-Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned uh, over sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, Zeldin is hoping to be the first Republican since 2002 uh, to win a governorship in New York. Uh, NolanCleary.com currently rates the New York governor's race as safe Democratic. What are your thoughts uh, on uh, this uh, recent incident? Well, I think it's pretty evident that uh, to be a public servant, uh, to be a public official these days is very difficult no matter what. You've got to really commit to having people attack. Um, you've got to commit to uh, being able to take all sorts of abuse because people now uh, have no problem fronting anyone anywhere and there's an underlying attack on politicians in general in both parties. So I, I commend him for, for running for the office. Uh, I hope that he and his family stay safe. But you, if you're going to run for office in America today, you better be prepared for anything to happen. All right. Well, Kim Curry, thank you again for uh, joining me today. Uh, before you go, do you want to tell people where you can be found on the Internet, on social media, and uh, how people can uh, listen to you or get some of your books? 
very simple to find me. I'm at krcurry.com. All the information on my books are there. I've got different podcasts and some editorials that I've written up there. You can also follow me on Facebook at krcurrytheauthor. And you can follow me on Instagram at krcurrytheauthor. All right. Thank you, sir. After five years and over 15,000 listeners, Politics Weekly has finally hit its 100th episode. You can listen to the 100th episode now, featuring interviews from YouTuber Red Eagle Politics, former Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson, and former Vermont Governor Jim Douglas. Make sure to check out the 100th episode of Politics Weekly now, wherever you listen to your podcasts.